Welcome once again to Robert Nauer Unfiltered. And in this episode, I'm going to talk about malware, cybercrime, social engineering for criminal purposes, <clears throat> and how easily banks can be hacked with artificial intelligence. From the information that is readily available on the dark web about all of us. For example, my wife and I have accounts and we've been doing a lot of um, business with banks, but like all military members and feds, our accounts, our personnel files were hacked by the Chinese over 10 years ago. That included information about FBI backgrounds, where we've lived, personal information about us, top secret level information, and information you would never want leaking out. Sadly, our own government, the Office of Personnel Management, allowed that to happen. And the same thing can happen with your banking information. More and more banks, more and more businesses, more and more retail operations are getting hacked every single day. And so the Chinese, what do they do? They keep it for themselves. They have massive credit computers, supercomputers, and they also sell our information on the black market to bad actors and other countries. So now everybody has our information and it makes you feel rather uncomfortable. But the sad part is the United States of America does not give a shit about us as people, as military members, enough to protect our identities and our personal information because they allowed it to be hacked. And they continue to have this happen. Even the FBI has been hacked. Even the National Security Agency a couple years ago was hacked. Folks, this needs to change. Anyway, let's start out by talking about viruses and malware. First, malware contains viruses and other bad software and code that can be used to do harm to your computers, affect other networks, and to spirit your personal information and financial information out of your accounts, out of your computers, into the hands of criminal organizations. It's done each and every day to millions of people's computers and iPhones. And how do we get this malware on our systems, in our computers, on our phones? It's quite easy. People are stupid. Yes, you. You click on things that you shouldn't, that you get in your in-basket. And you feel it must be opened because it must be important it came to me. So you go ahead and you open it up. And you know you didn't ask for it, but you do so anyway. And while you now have, once you click on it, malware infecting your computer, putting a Trojan horse in your network, or on your iPhone, where you store your own banking information, which is what Gen X and Gen Z does. They store all their shit on their iPhone. And for others that are older, like you and me, it's on our computer. Well, I do not store anything on my computer anymore. I keep it everything that's really critical on a separate USB stick. And the only time I insert it in my computer is for the few minutes that I'm going to be doing banking information. And that's what each and every one of you should be doing. Only for those few minutes a day that you actually need access. People who leave critical and sensitive information on their computers and on their phones permanently are just that. Stupid. Your phone or your computer will be embedded with malware and it can embed itself anywhere. All it takes is a click of a link, click of a picture, 
click of a JPEG, click of a PDF. Malware can be embedded with source code that's hidden to the human eye in any one of those sources and more. Oh my God. All one has to do is take a look at Leesburg Hospital in Leesburg, Florida, which is now the University of Florida Hospital, bought out by U of F. That hospital was shut down by ransomware because some stupid admin clerk in some admin office clicked on a link that she got from somebody who sent her an email that had malware in it, being ransomware. He or she clicked on it and immediately infected a multi-million dollar network and shut the hospital down for four solid months. I am not shitting you. Everything in the hospital in Leesburg, Florida had to be done by hand, by paper. Surgeries couldn't be done. Payments couldn't be made and were received. The hospital was losing millions of dollars. And finally, in a defiant move not to pay the ransomware hackers, the new CEO of the hospital decided to scrap all of their computer systems and all of their networks and spend millions upon millions of dollars buying new equipment, new software, new hard drives, new servers, rather than pay the ransomware. I don't know. I won't talk about whether that made sense. I don't think it was cost-effective to do, but the problem is if you hadn't cured the source of the problem, which was the clerk that clicked on the damn software malware in the first place, it's going to happen again. And so you have to make punishment hurt. You have to make people who do stupid things like that, including husbands and wives and, and sons and daughters that do stupid things like that, you need to punch them severely and make them understand what the consequences are. People just don't do that enough. So how is it that old people get scammed? Well, first of all, they're old. Women get scammed on, in online dating services of people who claim to be one thing when they're really another thing, and it's called catfishing. Because the guy in the picture that he or she receives online looks very pretty or very handsome, but in fact, it's just a black Nigerian in Africa or somebody from the Congo pretending to be a pretty white female or a pretty white male, and he uh, goads the woman or the man into believing that he is what he is portraying online, and then in order to come over and see them and uh, for the first time and give them the physical love that they need, he needs thousands of dollars to be sent to him to get an airplane ticket and more or to help a relative out because he has never any intention of ever crossing the borders into the United States or coming on an airline. By the time you send him the money, it's too late. Well, literally hundreds of thousands of women and men have lost millions of dollars every single year doing this same stupid thing. Uh, I even recently heard of a woman right here in the villages who gave over a half million dollars to a Nigerian scammer claiming to be a handsome young man of 55. 20 years younger than her, she was 75. Because he told her how much he loved her and wanted to have sex with her because she was so beautiful. She weighed 350 pounds. Well, <clears throat> I guess there are stupid people born every single day. Well, and then there's the old men and young men. What do they do? They look at pornography online. 
and lots of pornography online with non-HTTPS URLs are embedded with viruses and malware, Trojan horses, and anything else. And all you have to do is click on one of the URLs online or one of the pictures and your goose is cooked. And finally, before I launch into the rest of my thesis here about not being stupid, one of the more common, and you all should listen to this, guys, one of the more common and newer scams is where you will personally receive a ghosted email into your email account. And it will say something like, um, hey, Bob, or hey, Fred, or hey, Jack, I know what you're up to. We have been watching everything that you do online. We know the pictures of naked women that you're looking at, the pornography, who you're cheating with, blah, blah, blah. They make it sound very generic, but also very scary. And why do they do that? Because 50% of all men look at pornography. And all of a sudden, your heart starts to pound and you get scared. And the message goes on to say, hey, unless you send us $5,000 or $10,000 in Bitcoin right now, you only have 12 hours to do it. And if you don't, and if we don't receive the money from you, uh, we're going to tell your wife or your girlfriend or your boss. And you will lose your job and your reputation. And thus, people do get scared when they receive these messages. But that is all they are is scams. But yet, they will go out and purchase Bitcoin and send it forever and ever, never to be seen again, to the scammer that sent them this generic pornographic email, scaring the shit out of them. What do I do? And I've received about two or three of these. I simply delete them. I laugh and delete them. Because there's really nothing that you can do. But to the unwise and the unwary, they will do the stupid thing and pay the person. Now, I've heard of a number of cases where family members have done this, too. Um, in fact, I saw a story just today where a husband and wife were on vacation just this, this weekend during Labor Day. And uh, within 10 minutes, her entire bank account had been drained. And her husband went ahead and put a stop to it what he could. Well, they lost all their money. Quite frankly, the fact is simply this. In America, uh, the security systems that banks use today are wholly inadequate to protect from the sophisticated, criminalized organizations and hackers overseas that use very sophisticated resources to attack bank accounts with information available off of the dark web about you. Like I said, China had hacked us and our information is all over the dark web. I keep getting these notices. There's nothing I can do about it. The information's out there. So here's a letter that I recently wrote our own bank CEO and chief operating officer. And I'm not going to use the name of our bank, but you can probably figure it out. And I haven't heard back from them yet. It goes like this. As a family member that fully understands how the world works in information technology, my wife and I believe that blank is not doing enough nor offering enough safety and security to and for our bank accounts. And with the advent of chat GPT and various other AI formats that can be used for legal and non-legal purposes, 
uh, in the marketplace, we have found that voices, music, and sounds can be 99.99999% emulated to be perfect, perfect enough to hack and spoof anybody's voice over the phone to a bank. Now, how is that all that possible? Because scammers call you and me every single day asking you to answer a couple questions, pretending to be somebody else, and asking you to say the word yes. Don't ever say the word yes. Don't ever respond. You know, here's the basic things, people. If somebody is calling you and they really want to talk to you and want you to get back to them, Think about this. How easy is this? They will leave you a message. Yeah. Oh, that's very creative. Uh, oh, no, no, no. I need to answer the phone right now. Don't do it. Don't be stupid. Don't be a stupid moron. Let them leave a message. If it's truly a valid phone call, they will leave a message. I have found that to be the case 100% of the time. If they are a scammer, and you answer the phone, but without your voice, you will hear a click or a little boop. And that means that it's coming from a boiler room somewhere in some other country. But don't be stupid. Let them leave a message. Going on. This thing I'm talking about here is called social engineering. The social engineering concept is used for hacking. And it's being used at alarming rates right now against literally millions of bank banking members. In the last month alone, quite a large number of American families have had their bank accounts stolen due to, number one, the use of employing artificial intelligence. Two, by social spoofing to elicit personal information from people that are stupid enough to talk to them. Three, obtaining information off of the dark web about you. Nearly 90% of everything about anybody is currently available on the dark web, including your checking account, checking numbers, savings numbers, and credit card information. And five, uh, or should have been four, should be four, and four, the list can go on as to what is available to fool any lowly paid bank representative into believing that they, the scammer, is actually you calling. So in going on with the letter that I wrote, I said, since blank, you, and most other large banking systems appear to be two steps behind the power curve when it comes to bank hacking, my suggestion, sirs, would be as follows. And if you care, you will provide the ability to any bank member that wants to employ and use these methods to protect their accounts. And they include, number one, mandatory code word that should be changed every 90 days. Two, mandatory two-factor authentication. Sadly, it's easily hacked. Number three, mandatory use of voice print ID. Number four, mandatory use of either a Google or government-based numerical authenticator. Very difficult to hack. And five, you should provide all bank members who wish to employ all of these elements, the right and the privilege to do so, in order to obtain the highest level of safety and security for their bank funds. And should also be able to use these at home, on their iPhones, 
and including fingerprint, bio ID, and retinal scans if they should be willing to pay for them. Quite frankly, sirs, you all are not doing enough to safeguard client funds in light of artificial intelligence's voice software proliferation that is currently available for download on the web. I know because I use it. So please ensure that the chief executive officer sees this message. That's the letter that I wrote. But here's the problem, folks. Banks are always concerned about only their bottom line, their operating expenses, and therefore probably would not employ any of these recommendations, feeling that they are just too cumbersome or too expensive, and yet the banking customer will be the one to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune when their banking funds are stolen via an online crook or some kind of scam from a criminal syndicate that probably is housed in Russia, China, or Iran, or Nigeria. And the banks will simply tell you, too bad, so sad. But we believe that the banking members simply didn't have a secure enough password or secure enough code word when, in fact, that would never be the case for people who are savvy enough to use the proper steps and procedures. I understand that there are many who bank with your firm that are old, feeble, infirm, or just lazy and do not do the basic things that they should do to protect their bank accounts and then want to point fingers at the bank instead of looking squarely at themselves in the mirror. I am not one of those people. I am always taking proactive measures and try to protect what is mine. And I find it implausible to believe when in fact billion dollar companies such as yours would not employ sufficient efforts like I just mentioned to combat crime. That is the letter that I wrote the chief operating officer and chief executive officer of my banking system. And you might want to do the same. But anyway, going on, now we're going to go on and talk about what is social engineering? It's used for a criminal element. In computer programming and computing, social engineering refers to the methods that cyber criminal criminals use to get victims, usually old, to take some sort of questionable stupid action involving a breach of security, the sending of money, the giving up of private information happens every day. These actions tend to go against our better judgment and defy common sense quite often. However, by manipulating the emotions of people, criminal organizations can get you to do things that you would not otherwise do. They do so through creating anger, fear, love. Ah, yes, scammers can get us to stop thinking rationally, like the pornography incident I talked about that's going around right now in emails, and cause you to start acting on impulse. In other words, hide that information at all costs from your family member without regard to what you're doing. Ah, I've got to get that $5,000 and send them to the scammers as soon as I can. And that is where they've got you. 
that got you by the balls because you are emotional, emotionally stupid. So to put it quite simply, if cyber criminals use malware and viruses to hack your computers, then social engineering is how they hack your mind. Social engineering is always part of a larger con operation, taking advantage of the fact that perpetrators and their victims never will ever meet face to face. I can tell you a story about my father who had Alzheimer's. He was scammed out of $180,000. True story. Wow. Social engineering. And he also had Alzheimer's. The main objective of this is to get victims, you, to give up your username and passwords, to be able to install malware on your computer, your iPhone, send money via electronic fund transfer, Bitcoin, etc., gift cards, and authorize malicious software plugins, extensions, and third-party apps, and to act as a money mule. You can read about crazy people that do that all the time. So how does social engineering for criminals work? Well, it's the part of the larger con. con. Take for instance the Nigerian Prince or the 419 scam, and you can Google that. It is uh, so named for the section of the Nigerian Criminal Code dealing with fraud. And when this particular scam, a cyber criminal emails you claiming to be a deposed Nigerian prince with vast sums of money locked away in a foreign bank account that he cannot get access to. I think out of my entire lifetime, I've received like 10 of those. <laughs> in order to unlock the funds that don't exist, the prince needs you to provide an initial amount of money for bribing the bank manager. In exchange, the prince will then share some of his fortune with you. But this Prince Charming turns out to be a real frog. There is no money, and the con is to simply get you to wire funds to the Nigerian scammer. And once you realize that you've been scammed and the money is gone, you feel so stupid. So where does social engineering come into play? By simply claiming to be a Nigerian prince, the scammer gives you a degree of authority and victims are more inclined to respond to this poor soul who needs his funds. The theory that people will respond positively to someone they perceive as authoritative is just one psychology professor noted in the principles of persuasion to get you to say yes. There are techniques uh, such as reciprocity. If I give you a gift, you need to give me a gift. Scarcity. Uh, for example, in 2019, Americans caught a glimpse of the end of times when Popeyes sold out their popular chicken sandwiches. People actually fought over the sandwiches. And one th man threatened a Popeye employee with a gun. Scarcity. Crazy, isn't it? We see that in grocery stores during hurricanes. Authority, pretending to be something that you're not. Well, he says he is the king of England, he must be. And then consistency, always 
generally speaking, no one wants to come out, cough, is indecisive. So <clears throat> they say, we're going to do something, we'll try to follow through. And they try to get you to follow through. Old people fall for that all the time. And then liking, known as the Ellen DeGeneres scam, is a great example of liking. In social media posts, supposedly from Ellen herself, and you and I have received some of those things, scammers cut together videos of popular daytime talk shows speaking about her favorite charities, and then request you to share some of those posts. And because the victims, like Ellen, are more inclined to share, Ellen, the scammer, will then reach out to you directly, who shared the post, and ask you to download one of her films. Well, guess what? <laughs> it's got malware in it. Consensus. You've probably heard the expression, if everyone jumped off a bridge, would you? If you have, then you probably are very familiar with the concept of consensus. People are more inclined to respond affirmatively if they think everybody else is doing it. There are other kinds of social engineering issues, such as mouse smoke operators, abandon exploit kits in favor of social engineering because it's easier. Cyber criminals impersonate the World Health Organization to distribute fake coronavirus ebook, battling online coronavirus scams, spear phishing, scam phone calls. Old people get scam phone calls all of the time, and I'll I'll do that in a different online section session. And then, of course, tech support scams. Well, golly goodness, you have a computer virus, and uh, I'm so glad that you contacted us by clicking our link with, that we sent you. And you shouldn't have clicked that link in the first place. We will be happy to take over your computer, could you please, when I send you the link, could you please click OK to authorize us to take over your computer to fix the problem? Folks, do not fucking do that, honest to God. You wouldn't believe how many hundreds of thousands of elderly people, even young people do that. Do not fucking do that. Do not let anybody ever online take over your computer because they will embed it with all kinds of malware for the history of time. If you got a problem with your computer, for God's sake, take it to a computer shop. Okay? So, uh, I pretty much run the course there of generalities and topics, but the thing is to be, be on the lookout. Be alert. If you find out that you have a spouse that's getting elderly, that's borderline dementia, that's talking to people that they shouldn't be, take control of them. Take their money away from them. Don't let them do it because they will give your money and your family hard-earned money away. Do not click on things that you didn't specifically ask for. If you receive an email or a text from somebody you do not know, do not fucking open it. Delete it. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you didn't ask for it, you don't know the people that sent you this thing, fucking delete it. Stop being stupid. And with that, Bob out.